This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros. With your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Here's Bulky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 58 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Bulky, the guy with the giant 70s style headphones, along with my partner, Jeff Flum, who seems completely relaxed despite it being the day before all hell breaks loose in baseball opening day uh you can find us on spotify apple stitcher of course youtube we definitely want you to listen but you really should check out youtube every once in a while to see things like Blummer's cardboard cut out of himself which was a, <laughs> <laughs> a spectacular moment in podcasting history <laughs> be sure mm-hmm. be sure to like and subscribe to keep up with us give us a follow on twitter and now also on instagram at believe in astros uh find me at jeff balky and Blummer at Blummer 27 pretty much everywhere on social media as well and thanks to everyone who's given us five stars and left reviews on Apple. Just uh, keep doing that. The more the merrier. I'm telling all my family members now, listen, would you please help a brother out? <laughs> if you're on. Isn't that the least they can do as <clears throat> you family would, members? You would think. Come on. You would think. I mean, I hope they're fans of me at least. If they're not, then yeah, they could. I could care less if they like me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you still, <laughs> pretty good. If if you haven't. Um, Please take the time to do it. Obviously, send us your comments and questions. We love getting all of them. Like, for example, who saw who saw Cesar Salazar coming? <laughs> we'll talk about that. Quick, Not re- this guy. yeah, exactly. This one either. Uh, quick reminder that you have until April sixth to vote for this podcast as best baseball podcast. We were selected as one of twelve podcasts to be nominated for that honor. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com. Click the awards to find the baseball categories. You need to create an account to log in. But listen. It's worth it. Create an account already and vote. It's many times. You'll be a better person for it. You will be a better person for it. We'll all be better people for it. That's just how it works. Plumber, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Today, today's kind of a busy day. Like you said, there's a lot of chaos leading up to opening day and no. eventually, you know, a week into the season, it'll feel like June or July. But <laughs> for the time being, the excitement's kind of around the team with some, some moves and uh, yeah. a lot of interviews and things like that. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to go crazy. It's going to happen really fast. Uh, everything is going to go downhill very quickly. And then, like you said, it's going to settle into the, uh, the season, uh, I don't want to say rut. That's the wrong word. Like the groove. Let's call it the season groove. It'll settle into the old season groove. Uh, I got mm-hmm. my credentials for opening day just to get there and see the pomp and circumstance. Uh, I hear Megan the Stallions throwing out the first pitch, which sounds kind of like the best part of the game right now. Well, have you heard everything that's going on for opening day? Well, I heard I that mean, Mar- I heard is it Mark Wahlberg is calling play ball. Like, what is Marky yeah, Mark doing shirtless, out there? I'm going to be. Pissed. I know. I was going to say if he's not shirtless and be like, hey, hey, everybody, it's Mark Wahlberg. It's like if he doesn't come out there and like, I, you know, yeah, like what is Marky Mark? Is the Funky Bunch coming too? 
Oh, man. <laughs> if he brings a funky bunch, I may not be married after opening day. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. But Megan the Stallion's going to be thrown out the first yeah. pitch. Cody Johnson singing yeah, your the boy. national anthem. And then Mark Wahlberg doing play ball. I mean, the celebrity game for the Astros has stepped up. I wonder if there's any correlation with Final Four at all. Like, not uh, Megan the Stallion is actually performing at the Final Four Fan Fest thing. Um, so I thought, I mean, I mean, she's from Houston, so, you know, obviously yeah. that's a big deal. But I feel like maybe there's at least a little correlation there. Um, I'm surprised they didn't get, like, for at least, you know, they have three. Didn't they say they have three different country singers doing the the national anthem for the first three games? I, yeah, Lyle Lovett will be doing it uh, the second game. Oh, one of my favorites. I know that. Oh, yeah. Love Lyle Lovett. Absolutely. I know Keith Urban is in town for the final four as well. And somebody, hey. somebody else, another one, another big name country artist. It's, it's an intro. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the final four concert line, but like little Nas X is playing and Megan the stallion. It's kind of a, it's kind of a significant lineup. Um, Damn. All right. Which is pretty fascinating. But yeah, Mark Wahlberg, that seemed to me talk about coming out of left field. Mark, Marky Mark. Oh my god! Hey man, you, you win. You bring in some some you know some power. I figured he was and, a Sox uh, fan, right? Isn't that? Isn't he from Sox Boston? fan? Lives in L.A. Who knows, man? Right. But when you're winning, everybody <laughs> wants to jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> no let's doubt. Be honest. No doubt. All right. Quick word for our sponsor. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. Obviously, I am extremely disappointed that my University of Houston Cougars did not make it past the Sweet 16. I was equally bummed that the University of Texas Longhorns did not make it past the Elite Eight. So now we have a Final Four that is just bizarre. But I will be there for the whole damn thing, covering it. I'll be at the Fan Fest. I'll be at all the open practices. It's going to be fascinating. I don't know anything about any of these teams. I'm actually doing a deep dive on them tomorrow. should be fun. Somebody's going to, I mean, unless UConn wins, which probably they will, uh, it's going to be, it could be a new Final Four, could be a brand new team, never won it before. Mm-hmm. Should be fascinating. You'll find uh, you'll find all the latest odds, bracket contest, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the Final Four and championship game. I will mention, <clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about odds for the Astros this year. Should be interesting. Uh, Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to sign up and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLEAV to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag where the game starts. So let's um, first talk about Blummer. The final roster moves the Astros made <clears throat> going into opening day. The roster is now set. Uh, we knew that Jose Altuve was not going to be available for opening day. We know Michael Brantley is going to be out two or three weeks. Um, we certainly knew most of the names. We, we understood we, Ronel Blanco, they've been stretching him out. We knew he was going to make it. Seth Martinez, it seemed pretty clear, uh, he was going to make it. <clears throat> and so as a result, Brandon Belak doesn't make, it, which has got to be frustrating for that guy. Um, but, What's a little surprising is, you know, Diaz made it. Corey Lee didn't. I think we saw that one coming too. But Corey Jolks makes it over Justin Dearden. <clears throat> now, Jolks is a guy that obviously Dusty Baker and uh, and Dana Brown have really liked. 
Um, he's a little, I think he's a year older than Dearden. He's had more time in the minors, certainly five years. When I looked at his numbers, I mean, he's a career 350 on base percentage, um, which has got to be something that is perked, you know, has, has got their ears perked up. What do you, I mean, this is an, I was, I don't think many people saw it coming, but I, I think it'll be an interesting maneuver. It will be, and I, you know, it's a it's a feel good story. Yeah. I mean, he From he's Houston. a guy out of Friendswood. Mm-hmm. He went to the University of Houston. He he's on their prospect list, and it it's just a it's a good story, and it's great for Corey Jolks because it's a kind of a credit to hard work and you know kind of sticking to the game plan, <clears throat> trusting the process type situation. Yeah. And again, when you're playing in these organizations and you have turnover in the GM spot, there's going to be guys that fall out of favor. There's going to be guys that renew their favor. And Corey Jolks did that by playing a very good outfield and having very good at bats. And obviously he has history of driving the baseball Mm -hmm. and getting on base, which I think is very appealing because as a manager, you want a threat off the bench. And Corey Jolks can provide that threat. And I also think that Jolks may be another interesting aspect of his game is the fact that they brought three catchers onto this roster. So you know what that means? That means pinch running late in games because you have a Yiner Diaz and a Cesar Salazar backing everybody up. Yeah. So you can you can take Maldonado out in the sixth or seventh inning if you're down by one or two runs and you desperately need to try and score in that inning. Yeah. And you put a burner in there like Corey Jolks, and then you can bring in a Yiner Diaz or, you know, or if Yiner Diaz or Cesar Salazar is starting a game and you get to that fifth, sixth inning mm-hmm. and you have a lead, pinch run, pinch hit, and all of a sudden you can bring Martin Maldonado in to be your closer behind the plate. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting aspects to this. Um, but the most important one is congratulations to Corey Jolks. I mean, these are exciting times when you get to break with the team, be announced on opening day, and they make a roster spot for you. So uh, exciting for him. But that's just kind of the uh, kind of the idea I think that they have for him on this roster. Yeah, I think you you hit it uh, the nail on the head, and that he has a lot of oper- there's a lot of things he can do. He can run. He obviously is a very good defensive player. I think I read his his defensive percentage numbers were in the upper 90s for his career uh, in right field. He's um, Obviously, he's got pop in his bat. And big thing is he gets on base. He doesn't strike out a ton. Um, and uh, his on-base percentage is high, which, of course, the Astros value um, almost above anything, really. Um, and so, really big deal for him. Dearden, I just think... He's going to be good at AAA, and then he's eventually going to make his way back up here. He, he's especially because he's a lefty. He's shown that he can play well in, that, in the outfield. I, you know, he only had 26 games in AAA last year. Otherwise, I, I think if he had a little more seasoning like Jolks has had, he might have been mm-hmm. that guy. You know, who knows. Yeah, no, I think that's probably one thing that we, you know, I didn't mention about uh, Jolks is the fact that maybe he has exhausted his opportunities in AAA and now needs to get that shot to see if he can make that jump. And that's where Justin Dearden falls on the other side of it, saying he just hasn't been seasoned enough, had a phenomenal spring Mm -hmm. training. And I think that he turned a lot of heads. He did. And you understand that what he could do, and you just want him to go down to AAA, prove it, get the at-bats. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're Justin Dearden and especially Corey Lee, you got to play with a little bit of anger. Yeah, and it's okay. 
I think, uh, per, you know, well-placed anger in the game of baseball can really motivate you to play better baseball and really start to uh, push yourself yeah. and push yourself into the conversation of being on that big league team because we, you and I both know 162 games, there are a lot of things that can happen throughout the course of a season. Uh, players can do well. Players cannot do well. They can get hurt. Mm-hmm. There's just there's a myriad of opportunities, but you have to play with that little bit of uh, that, that anger chip on your shoulder to go out there and continue to produce, and it's okay for a guy like Justin Dearden or a Corey Lee to play like that yeah. because they had good springs and were in consideration, just didn't have enough to put them onto that roster. But it doesn't mean that they won't be there. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And, and look, with Corey Lee, Yiner Diaz is just destroying the baseball right now. Uh, he, he finished strong. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. And the other thing is about the difference between those guys. He has an incredible arm. He showed that he has some control behind the plate, which is something I think the Astros wanted to see. And the other thing about uh, Yiner Diaz is that he can play first base too. Uh, Corey Lee is is really just a catcher right now. I mean, they they tested him out a little bit. But, dear, uh, but uh, excuse me, um, Diaz can uh, definitely play more than one position. And for the Astros, when they're going for their bench players, they're looking for that, which brings us to Salazar. I do think mm-hmm. it's fascinating that they brought a third catcher, but also Salazar plays some outfield. He can play first base. Um, he's got he's pretty fast on the base paths. Clearly, they're valuing that flexibility. I mean, again, the Astros that's a that's a big deal for them. Guys that can move around, especially right now when you have some injuries and guys out. Obviously, Salazar is going to be probably the man out when Brantley comes back, um, assuming there are no other injuries. But I did think it was pretty interesting. I mean. I don't think anybody saw Cesar Salazar coming. If you're like, "Hey, who's going to make the roster?" Like, what was the what was the over under? What was the uh, the number on that one? <laughs> Plus two thousand? I don't know. That was a that was a sh- that was kind of a surprise. And what 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 did you think when you saw that yesterday? Uh, I was surprised, and it, I'm just tr- you try and get in the head of Dana Brown, or you're trying to put your GM hat on and your your manager hat on, and you kind of say, "Well, what, man, Cesar Salazar that kind of jumped out of nowhere." Right. But I think the idea is to protect Martin early on because he's a guy that pl- wants to play 162 yeah. games. He just can't do that because it doesn't make sense uh, on the body. But if you can early on kind of protect him and you know mix and match, pinch run, pinch hit, and just kind of move move pieces around to see what happens early on and see how Salazar adjusts to the big league level, I think that's good. And again, it goes back to Corey Lee. Would you want one of your top prospects in Corey Lee to be sitting on the bench being that third catcher. Right. Because it's one thing, Yiner Diaz is going to be suppressed as far as number of at-bats he gets. Mm -hmm. Would you want Corey Lee to be even more suppressed? And I think that's where the, the mentality for Corey Lee not making the team is. I don't think it's a knock against him or saying that mm-hmm. Cesar Salazar is that much better. I just think it's a different situation where you may feel a little more comfortable not giving the at-bats to Salazar and letting Corey Lee go down to AAA and just start raking, getting a bunch of at-bats, catching, getting you know fine-tuning a lot of things before he gets his opportunity. But yeah, it did kind of come out of nowhere. <laughs> and you're right, these catchers, you know, uh, Yiner Diaz is a pretty good athlete. Corey Lee's a pretty good athlete. Cesar Salazar is a pretty good athlete. But all, of the, but for me, Diaz and Salazar, they may be a little more advanced defensively uh, than Corey Lee because Corey Lee had a little bit of an issue throwing guys out mm-hmm. uh, in spring training, whereas Yiner Diaz has an absolute cannon. Yeah. 
And then you have Cesar Salazar, who's got a little more savvy and has a pretty good arm, is able to cut down runners, back pick, and do things like that. But I think it's more of the defensive aspect that puts Salazar on there because if you do get late in game, mm-hmm. extra innings, or if you have to make some moves, mm-hmm. you're you're going to – you're going to be okay with Salazar in there working with these pitchers. And keep in mind, too, he was an alternate, I think, for the WBC team, Team Mexico. Yeah. And he has a phenomenal relationship with a guy named Jose Urquidy. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It could have. And 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 credit you, Blum. There was, a, a I don't know, a few episodes back we were talking about catchers, and you – Put his name in there, saying, you know, he he catches he he does a good job of managing pitchers, and mm-hmm. so obviously that's going to be that's going to play a, a a pretty significant component in all this, just simply because of the new rules and everything else. So yeah, I mean, it does make sense when you step back from it. And it does give you sort of the feeling of if it all works out, and it probably will, because you know that's why they get paid the money they get paid. Um, it has the feeling of these guys maybe playing in you know Dana Brown and some of the others playing uh, chess while the rest of us are playing checkers, know. <laughs> you know. Um, but it, it is funny because I know a lot of people were kind of shocked by like, oh, this. And I was like, well, but if you just step back, you take a couple steps back and you look at it, you're like, yeah, Corey Lee shouldn't be up here. He should be getting at bats. Justin Dearden probably doesn't need to be up here. He should be getting at bats, you know. Um, Jolks has been at the minor league level for five years, right? You're going to, if anybody is, if it's his time, it's his time. If it's not, let's find out. So I think there's a, there's some, you know, wisdom to these moves that maybe it's harder to see when you're just watching the spring training games and guys are jacking home runs or whatever. And you're like, oh, this guy's amazing. He's the next, you know, uh, Hank Aaron or whatever. And then you realize, well, it's spring training. There's a bigger picture here. Yeah, there's a bigger picture and, you know, it's hard not to be emotional because you've watched them in spring training, you've watched them in the minor leagues and you're going, oh, this is his chance. This is the, this is the opportunity. (laughs) Our team will be so much better Uh, if this guy's on the roster and you may be right, but at this given moment in 2023, is this the time to have that guy here now to dig, you know, a little bit deeper and talk about something that every ball player hates to hear and every fan hates to hear is service time. Hmm. And you look at what the Astros are doing right now. You still got a pretty solid outfield. You've got good corner guys. Mm -hmm. Chaz McCormick has got a couple more years until free agency. Jake Myers has a couple more years until free agency. Jake Myers is probably a whole nother story on himself. Yeah. uh, Considering what he needs to do to kind of prove that he belongs to be in the big leagues more consistently. But if you, if you look at Corey Lee, what, what do you see when you see Corey Lee, you see a future big league starting catcher. Yep is now the time to put him in there and and have him catch. No. So you can kind of look to the future and say, okay, if we can pull back on some service time, keep him around, and then we're going to have him longer when he's playing better. Right. Same thing for Justin Dearden. Dearden is now on the radi- radar of 30 teams, not just the Astros. There's 30 teams out there looking at him going, wow, this guy's a pretty good ball player. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to be protected next year. I wonder if he's going to be available in a trade. But maybe Dana Brown is looking at it going, well, if we don't sign a Kyle Tucker to a long-term right. deal um, in, in you know in a couple of years, we could have a Justin Dearden kind of waiting in the wings. So I think that's how a GM kind of looks is, yeah, they're good now, but if we could kind of keep that guy in our organization a little bit longer and have him produce at the big league level, yeah. we're going to be in good shape down the road. It's a little bit of a safety blanket or a safety net uh, with those guys. Yeah, and I mean, there's again, there's so many moving pieces, you know, when you're talking about yeah. this. And there's so many guys that, you know, at the minor league level, you have no idea like what's going to, you know. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, such a, I mean, 
I always tell people, you know, I have friends who are, you know, ask me about baseball and basketball and football and all these things because they know I talk about them. And like, why would they do something like that? And 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 the the classic one always is, you know, things like why would they get rid of a veteran? Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, like that Carlos Gray last year. And I'm like, listen, these guys know more than we do. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, you know, they're making decisions. They're not like, they're not just randomly throwing things against, well, ah, let's just give it a shot. What the hell? You know, mm-hmm. um, they, they're, they're smart. They've been in this game a long time and, and they, they know what they're doing, even if it's complicated and confusing for the rest of us. And uh, certainly Blummer, that's why I rely on you so much is because, you know, like it, I, I feel like there's stair steps, right? You have like mm-hmm. the guys like Dana Brown who are sort of, you know, their whole gig is just analyzing and figuring out talent. Right. And then you go down yeah. and you've got like the coach level who, again, they have to deal with this stuff on a day-to-day basis. Then to me, the next sort of level for that are analysts like yourself who are around the game all the time. You played the game. You kind of you can sort of see beyond the, um, the immediate numbers, right? And so that's why, you know, analysis from guys like you is so important for fans like me and others because it helps us to quantify what's really important uh, in the game and, and what makes the most sense. I greatly appreciate you saying that because, you know, I try and take a little bit of pride in using the experience and then kind of marrying it with the conversations that I have. Cause I, I'm going to have questions that fans have, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a situation to maybe rely on experience, maybe in a situation, but then also to go to, uh, you know, a coaching staff or even ask Dana Brown, just be like, can you help me understand this? Because I don't, and I have no problem with that. That's probably one. I mean, we all want to act like we're the smartest guy in the room, but I am not when I get around these guys because they really do know what they're doing. But it's also a benefit to me, and it would be really, uh, it would be a crime if I didn't actually use those conversations to help try and explain the game a little bit better. And that's kind of part of my job. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump into uh, talking a little bit about this season. We got opening day. Tomorrow, obviously, you're not going to be on the broadcast crew tomorrow. Tomorrow is Apple TV, I guess. Um, for those no, of you- ESPN. Oh, ESPN. Okay, got it. Yep. Whoever knows with these things anymore? Could be anything. There's so many of them now. I know. That's right. Um, so Sean Pendergast, who's my colleague at uh, the Houston Press and also on uh, does sports radio, he he loves betting stuff. He is a he's a gambler, and so he pulled out uh, all of the prop bets for the Astros for this season for individual players, and I pulled a few of them out of his story uh, because his were four that he thought were good bets for the year. So I pulled a handful of them out. I want to just kind of run through them a little bit and see what you think. First of all, and and, and a lot of these are you know total home runs, total RBIs. So just blast through a few of these. Bregman, they have home runs over under of 22 and a half and RBIs 89 and a half. And I, it's, it's a, you know, Vegas is good at picking numbers, man. There's, yeah, there's a, they are. there's a reason why these people do what they do. Right. And this one to me might be the, the one that I look at and go, Ooh, 22 and a half home runs. That's a tough one. I I definitely would take the under on RBIs personally. Um, just thinking because of where he's hitting and early in the season, he's may not have the table setters that he might get later in the year. But anyway, what do you think? Say Altuve affects that thought. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What what do you, so? What are your thoughts on those two particular? 
Um, I, I'm with you on the RBI uh, on the RBI number. Just be, I think that it, you know Alex is a 2090 guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, in a in a perfect world in the his in this lineup, I think he is. But it's going to depend a lot on the bottom part of the order because yeah. when you hit in that one two three spot in the order, you need the eight nine tens or the seven eight nines to get on mm-hmm. base. That's a lot of the issue, but he is going to have a lot more opportunities with guys on base because of where he's hitting in that lineup. But without Altuve in there, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, does Dusty leave Jeremy Pena at the top spot? Who's going to be hitting in the second spot? Obviously, having Jordan Alvarez hitting behind you is always a benefit because you're going to see some pretty good pitches. (laughs) And he always seems to take advantage of them. He is very clutch. But uh, I'd be perfectly happy if, if Alex was a 20, 85, 90 guy. Yeah. Um, I might actually, I would take the over on the RBIs before I took the over on the home runs. I agree with you on that. I, I do. I think he'll probably be under on both, but I, I agree with you. He's, he does seem like a 20, 90 guy. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, which is a good thing to be here in baseball. Oh, you're gonna get, yeah. You're going to get extended <laughs> off those numbers. Yeah. Be a 20, 90 guy. It's not a bad place to be. All right. Jordan Alvarez. This one's interesting to me. They have over under on homers 36 and a half. And RBIs of 102 and a half. Oh. Now, I I immediately take the over on RBIs. I feel like there's yes. there's no way he's going to be. I mean, he'll have to be hurt uh, to go under 102. He's probably going to have 110, 115 RBIs, it seems like. But 36 and a half is not. That's a pretty good number. I mean, in a, if he has a great year, he's going to hit 40. But will he? Well, I think by the end of his career, he's an average of a 35, 95, you know, home run guy. Mm. But he's going to have those years where he freaks out and goes, you know, judgment on this thing and hits 50. Right. Yeah. I'm just curious as to where that's going to be. Obviously, it will, I think a lot of it will define how the season goes, frankly. If he's hitting 40 mm. home runs and getting 125 RBIs or oh, something. the Astros are back in the World Series. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's they, the next one is Jose Abreu. And the main thing there is just home runs. They have it at 20.5, which is really, I think, is a great number because, you know, he was under that last year. They were probably talking about down season. I think it's going up, right? Because he's going to be a Minute Maid Park. Where do you think he's going to end up in home runs? I think he's going to be he's going to be back to his normal level of twenty five. I think he's a twenty five home run guy. Yeah, you know he's going to be hitting in a good spot in that order. He's going to be driving runs in, but I really do believe he's going to be over that twenty threshold by a, at least three or three to five. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Uh, he's just it's Minute Maid Park, and look at who's around him. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's just yeah, eighty one games in Minute Maid Park for. Jose Abreu is a scary thing. Yeah, it is. Kyle Tucker won. They have over-under on home runs at 30.5. I think that's good. I think a 30 home run year for Kyle would be good. They have him at 100.5 RBIs. That's probably good. But here's the one that I'm like. I hope you. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this number. What is this Steals. (laughs) Yeah. Steals for Kyle Tucker. Now, here is the over-under number. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not a gambling man. But if I were I would absolutely hit the sports book for this one immediately 19.5 steals as they're oh. over on it he is gonna shred 19.5 yeah. he'll finish he'll have 19.5 by the all-star break I completely agree no there's no way the the incentive 
You know what's crazy is you you look at the number and it's not just how many times is he going to steal. His his success rate is close to 90% I know. I overall in his career. But think about this. He st- how many did he steal last year? 20 some? 28, wasn't it? 28, 27. 20, he had 28 last year and he hit 260. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's you don't have the shift this year. Uh-huh. And they're going to pitch him a little bit tougher and be a little more careful with mm-hmm. them. His on-base percentage may be 350, and if it is, yeah. and he hits two, 300, oh. think about how many more opportunities yeah. he's going to have. Yeah, even if he and hits 275. Yeah, even if he yeah. – it's, it's going to be nuts. Oh, he, he – and never underestimate a guy who doesn't have that contract extension <laughs> who has the tools that Tucker has. Are you telling me he wouldn't want to show yeah, up to that arbitration table and go, look at here's my 30 bags – Here's my 30 bombs. Yeah, it's like you just drop that one. Boop. There's the mic drop on yep. you. And I'll be right back when you guys get to my when, when you're yeah. <laughs> When you can pick your jaw up off the floor, I'll be. Mm-hmm. I'll show back up. Yeah. I, when I saw that 19.5, I was like, hmm. I like, hello, Las Vegas Sportsbook. I would like to place a wager, please. I was like, if that's – I don't even know how you say it. I don't even know what you do. I'm just assuming that that's how you do it. Like – I'm assuming that the guy you that unique, you have a very unique betting voice. I do. I, I feel like I should be have a monocle on, and the guy that I'm talking to on the other end is like a big, fat, sweaty mafia guy going, "What do you want?" You know, it's like that's yep. that's my fantasy for betting. This is how much I know about betting. There are a couple other ones I thought were interesting, and that's all in the pitchers. So, mm-hmm. um, they have Framber Valdez total uh, total wins at 14, Javier at 11. Um, Luis Garcia at 12 and your at 10 and a half. Um, God, that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins for the starting pitching, but here's the one that really struck me. They have Christian Javier total strikeouts, 195.5. Damn. I mean, he got 194 last year, but with the 11 wins, which is also absolutely that's also what he had last year. It just seems weird. i everybody talks about how Javier is supposed to have a breakout season. But I mean, look, 11 wins paired with 195 strikeouts, again, seems a little weird. But look, man, the guy's going to strike out a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, let's just take it in the context of this modern day baseball game. Uh, Nobody has a two strike approach and you throw an invisible fastball that rises in the zone, it looks like. Uh, That invisible, man. I, you know, I saw you guys talking about it, uh, oh. the other, you know, the other game, just talking about how it, it appears to rise, but of course that it's not possible. It doesn't happen. Um, but that just, that invisible is something, yeah. right? I mean, watching him throw it and I, I watched it a little more closely this spring just to kind of get an idea of what people are talking about. I mean, it's like, it appears in the catcher's glove, mm-hmm. which is just like it just all of a sudden the ball is there and the guys are like, did that just what yeah, just happened? There's a certain angle from release point to catcher because you're throwing off an mm-hmm. elevated mound. Right. So there's going to be this natural and you, you got to involve gravity, too. You know, so yeah. you've got this, tr- you know, this traditional uh, standard human angle that is going to be on a downward plane towards the hitter. Right. And if you can just deviate off that a little bit, and that's why you throw sliders that break off that plane and get below the swing. But if you have enough spin and you can let go of that baseball way out in front of you, really create some spin, it it will flatten out just a little bit to get the hitter to swing underneath it. Because my eyes as a hitter say he let go of it from, you know, what, six foot one 
So that ball mm-hmm. should be right around my kneecaps when I'm getting ready to swing at it, but it's a little above my belt. I'm going to swing underneath it. And that's, what's really hard to adjust to. Roy Oswalt was really good at that. His mm-hmm. fastball would kind of plane out, but he didn't use it at the top of the zone. He used it at the bottom. So right. if you see it down immediately, you give up on it and that thing would stay up and catch the bottom of the zone. You were like, how the hell? And you'd go back and watch video and go, damn, that ball just flattened out and stayed through the zone. It's impressive what they're able to do. And that's why he's so effective. It's amazing that you guys hitting can like, you see that coming. That's what's remarkable. It's like, here comes a 95 mile an hour fastball and you're like, and you can calculate all of that stuff within just a split second. It's maybe a little too much, but uh, just thinking about that as a hitter, I'm trying to adjust to Christian Javier and you know, the way you get on, you have, Mm -hmm. they say, get on top of the fastball. So I've got to get my hands above the pitch. And if he's pitching at the top part of the zone, that means I've really got to get my hands up there because every time you swing at the ball and make contact, the barrel will be below your hands. So if you Mm -hmm. get the hands above the, above the baseball to get to that pitch, great. Mm -hmm. But guess what? He throws the change up. He throws the slider. And guess where your hands are? You have no chance to adjust. That's why he's so effective using the fastball up top. As soon as he sees you make the adjustment, he starts to throw pitches that move down in the zone and you're you're screwed. That's why you're gonna get a lot of swing and miss. So wild. He's just that's he he's one guy that I'm just he's one of those pitchers I I lo- you know, love to watch pitch. Yep. No, yeah. I, was, I, I knew where you were going and you're exactly it. right. If he's pitching, you kind of sit there and just watch in fascination. Yeah. It's just amazing how much movement there is and how like just the way that his, you know, there's just, and there's certain guys, you know, you, you, they talk about it, how the ball sort of, you know, snaps out of their hand mm-hmm. and just the right, he's like one of those guys. It's just, he's a great He's just great fun to watch as a pitcher. Um, and uh, when I was a kid, I probably would have told you that all pitchers were boring. When I was very <laughs> young, because <laughs> all I wanted to do was see, uh, you know, Jose Cruz hit home runs. No, no. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the, he's he's just I love watching him pitch. He's incredible. So here's a few here's a few things I wanted to ask you as we're getting into opening day. Made a list here because I've seen these lists around a little bit. Uh, just for the Astros only. Uh, a couple, a few breakout guys, a couple of most important guys and team MVPs. So first all, breakout season position player. Who do you think is going to have a breakout season in the in the field? Um, and and who would you put at that? And I'll start if you want to give you a chance to. Man, I'm just trying to think, think so hard on the Astros lineup because they've got so many veterans who have been so good. What are they going to break out of? You know, I know it's, it's crazy. Know. You kind of hope that a Chaz or a Jake Myers, I just think of the younger guys, you know, or maybe a, a you know, you know, maybe a Yiner Diaz really exposes mm-hmm. himself as a very good catcher and hitter, and he can right. kind of be the next uh, title holder behind home plate. So I'm going to, I'm going to go yeah. on the Chaz or Yiner uh, train. I went with one that probably shouldn't even be here and that's Kyle Tucker. Because I just think he he's going to have a big. I just think he's going to have a big year. I think mm-hmm. Tucker's going to have just. I, I feel like this is his year to really just you know uh, become that guy that we all think he's going to be. And I think some of it's going to be on the base paths, um, and then I think a lot of it's going to be just improving his you know his uh, batting average. I think he's he's going to if he goes up to three eighty. You know, I mean, it's just imagine the pitches he's going to see, mm-hmm. you know, because of that. So I, I just think, what about starting pitcher? Who do you think is going to uh, blow up this year as a starting pitcher? 
Um, I, I said, man, I can't remember if I said it on here or somewhere else, but uh, I, I'm on the, I'm, I'm kind of leaning into that Jose Urquidy area. I think it's not a make or break year, but I definitely think it's yeah. a make year. I think he can kind of move himself into not necessarily the Fromber Valdez or Christian mm-hmm. Javier range, but I think he can, he, if he pit, I think he has the ability to pitch well enough because I think he's worked very hard on a spin. Uh, that's one thing because he's already got the fastball change it. But if he gets that spin yeah. to really do a good job against right-handed hitters, I think he moves into that that so, that solid, strong, firm number three guy in your rotation. He may not start there this season because Luis Garcia, right. but I, I'm I'm kind of on. I'm on the Jose Arquiti. I'm going to make the call right now. Jose Arquiti is going to be my guy. I think it's a good pick. There's a you're not alone. Uh, there have been a number of baseball guys, you know, guys around baseball, writers and stuff who think this is going to be a good year for your Keedy and that he's people. I saw one guy write about saying he'd have a bounce back, even though he had a pretty damn good year last year. Um, you know, I'm going with Luis Garcia. I'm staying on the Luis Garcia train. That's a good call. Uh, I, I feel like this could be his Christian Javier year, you mm-hmm. know, the year where he comes out and. Uh, because all anybody's talked about with him so far is how he's had to change his pitching motion. And all he's done is change his pitching motion and be just as good, if not better. Um, and he was great to start last year. Um, he just sort of, I think really he didn't fade that much, but you know, uh, he went into the postseason and they had Justin Furlander and they had, you know, I mean, I was saying, he didn't do you make fade the- when you have guys in front of him that were as good as they were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the deal. He was just, it was just numbers really. And I mm-hmm. think, I think he's going to put together a really good season. All right. Who do you think is going to have a big season out of the, out of the bullpen? <sighs> okay. Ryan Presley, Hector Neris. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me get, let me bore you even more with Ron Montero, <laughs> Brian Abreu. Good <laughs> Lord. I mean, Abreu, I, we've been sitting on Abreu now for two, three years, and he he showed who he was. I think it, you know it may not be a breakout year, but it would be a very good thing if he was yeah. if he showed up and was consistent because his stuff mm. is electric, and he you know he can be effectively wild. He's going to walk some guys, but he can be effectively yep. wild and get out of those situations. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get on Abreu. I'm gonna say Abreu is going to be that consistent guy, go to guy out of that bullpen. Uh, he's not one of the guys that's locked up. You know, they locked up yeah. Montero. Neris is around for another year. Those are kind of stalwarts. Yeah. But if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take a chance and really really get on that limb that maybe can hold about seven thousand pounds, <laughs> I'm gonna Come sit on. on it and say Brian Abreu is really <laughs> gonna be that guy that is becomes an absolute force out of that bullpen. Although I want to see Ronel Blanco really complete uh, what he's done the last couple of springs and last winter balls. Yeah. I want to see him uh, have some fun and have some success. Yeah, actually, that's that's going to be my guys, Blanco. I'm like with it. you on Abreu. I actually put Abreu down and then erased it and wrote <laughs> Blanco because, I, I, man, Abreu is another guy. I is love really to watch him pitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like it's not a reach, but it's all, I just love watching that guy throw because mm-hmm. he's just so pissed off. Isn't it fun to throws. watch a guy with stuff all of a sudden it clicks? Yes. And I mean, and that's just, really what happened for him. He's got such swagger, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and such intensity in his, you know, in his, in his approach. And it's just so much fun to watch. You know, he's just got that, that thing, you know, well, where he's, he's just coming like, after guys. Now he, before right. he was like, oh man, I hope this pitch is good. Now he's like, screw it's, it. I'm going to go yeah. right through this guy. 
And he's and he's just he doesn't take crap off of anybody. It's like mm-hmm. amazing. It reminds me of McCullers when he was like, "I'm right freaking here." Like yeah. he's ready to scrap with anybody anytime, but not in a bad way, just no, in a like competitive compete. way. Yeah, yeah want to compete exactly. Okay, uh, this is not most valuable player because I'm going to get into the two most the most valuable players here in a second. But I want to I want to see who you think their most important player is defensively this year. Uh, I, Jeremy Pena. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's easy to without say, the well, shift. You, you you need a center fielder to you know shag and move, but you you just answered it for me because in the outfield you can protect these guys and move the outfielders all over the place and put them in a better position to to make yeah. plays. You can't do that on the infield anymore. Uh, yeah. They have to have their feet on the dirt. They have to play on their side of the field. Yeah. And one of the best athletes in the game won the gold glove for the first time ever for a rookie yeah. was Jeremy Payne. And I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on him. And what I saw in spring training, I mean, he made a couple of plays on the second base side, starting on the shortstop side. Yeah. So Jeremy Payne is going to be the most important. You've still got uh, from Valdez, heavy ground ball guy. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Hunter Brown yeah. is actually a, a ground ball guy, but you're going to need to cover some ground, and Jeremy Pena is that guy. So I think he's he's incredibly valuable. I'm 100% with you on this one. I also chose Pena. I think the thing with Pena is I watched him make some of those plays. He just floats across the middle of that infield. Um, he has such range. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I almost feel like he has more range than Correa has. Um, you know, uh, doesn't have the arm strength, obviously, but just his ability to get to the baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, you know, they're going to line guys up closer to second. It's not like they're going to, you know, yeah. they're going to yeah, shift gonna as, as close, close as, you as can. As, you're going to get as close as you can. But the fact that he was able to pick, I saw one hit up the middle. I didn't think he was getting to it. He just like reached out and snatched it. Tossed a second, turned a double play. Made it look routine. I, re- exactly. And I'm I think like, that's dude. the thing. Making h- difficult plays look easy uh, is really the hallmark of great athletes to begin with, but especially defensively. So I'm I'm right there with you. Okay, most important player on offense. It's Jordan or Tucker, and I'm going to go Jordan just because he hits in the heart of the lineup and there's so much expectation on him. And we also saw him literally win ball games with his bat. I mean, this guy's as clutch as they get. He's as important as, as you need in a lineup, and he is he is really good. Uh, and he, he looks very good in spring training. Uh, another thing about the hand problem, he mm-hmm. changed the – watch when fans, when you're watching during the oh, course of the you, season. I heard you talk about this. Tell, he, tell people about this. Yeah, so he had a, a normal bat last couple of years the, with mm-hmm. the knob was just a standard bat had a knob on mm-hmm. it that he enjoys, that he feels comfortable swinging. This spring training, I've noticed that he's gone to the axe handle, which eliminates that knob rubbing on the bottom part of that hand. So I think that this is a, a way to combat some of the hand issues he's having. And maybe he's healthier for longer because of that adjustment he made to the bat handle. So keep an eye on that. I was I heard you mention that uh, during the game the other night. I, that one shocked me. And honestly, you think about it, depending on where his hand was being bothered, that makes a lot of sense, you know, to switch to something like that. Mm-hmm. And also, is, doesn't it seem appropriate that 
Jordan Alvarez should be carrying an axe anyway. I know, <laughs> He's like right? Paul Bunyan, you He's know what I mean? Already, down. Yeah. just chopping him Paul down. Bunyan, you're right. He is. He is. And I, hey, I can't take credit for that. You're the one that said it. You said <laughs> it last year. He said it right after. And I, I'm with you 100 percent on this one. I picked Alvarez too. I think. I think the main thing with Alvarez is he is the most intimidating. Oof. player the Astros bring to the plate. I mean, and it's not really even close. He's one of the most intimidating players in baseball to face. And I think the intimidation factor is as important as almost his hitting home runs and making contact because it means guys are going to be really careful with him. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that not only is he a great home run hitter, he's just a good hitter. He'll reach out and and take a pitch outside and just doink it out in the outfield for a single. Um but the main thing is guys aren't going to be able to pitch to him as easily as they would because they are so they're the intimidation factor. It's just going to make it better for guys who are around him. Yep. There are going to be other guys who are going to have opportunities because of that. All right. Most important pitcher. Uh, it's going to be Fromber at the top. You know, I, I know that you're going to say, oh, well, you need Hunter Brown to round out the rotation. He's he's going to do his thing. But I think the most important guy in this rotation uh, with Lance McCullers not breaking with the team is going to be Fromber Valdez. There's going to be a lot of expectation on him. You don't have yeah. Justin Verlander. Uh, he, he's gone to the Mets, and then you have Lance starting the season on the injured list. So Fromber Valdez is that guy that has to step up. He was going to share that responsibility with Lance, but with Lance not there, it all falls on Fromber Valdez. So I think the biggest pitcher this season is going to be Fromber Valdez. A lot of expectation on him this year. Yeah, I agree with you. He was he was very close second for me. I actually picked Lance McCullers because I think him coming back in the middle of the season or whenever he does, if he can hold out and pitch well throughout the season, it just changes their the, the oh. entire depth of their pitching. Absolutely. It just completely rearranges their entire anything because then all of a sudden you've got six guys, legitimate guys who can go out there on any day and pitch well. Um, where you just don't have with the Astros, I feel like their pitching rotation is not like this huge top and low bottom. Their yep. pitching is like in the middle all the way across. You've got good guys that come out there every single day. Maybe no one's a quote unquote ace, at least not mm-hmm. yet. There's so many just good players. And if you get McCullers back in there, that's just one more that teams just have to face on just day after day after day after day. It's just relentless. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on Alvarez too. I mean, I mean, on, uh, Fromber Valdez too. Fromber's really, he's such a key cog. To, I mean, mainly because he's an innings eater mm-hmm. more than almost anything else, which was what Justin Verlander did. All right, who's your team MVP this year? I'm going to say Kyle Tucker. I want it to be Jordan Alvarez, but I just like you mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. in this podcast saying that Kyle Tucker's just going to have one of those monster years. He's yeah. already a gold glover. He's still going to continue to play a great right field. His bat is going to get better, so the average is going to jump without the shift being played against him. He's going to get on base more, so he's going to be stealing more bases. Mm-hmm. And if he, you know, if he's if he is, you know, you're trying to separate him and Alvarez. So if you have a Brayu or a Pena when this t- when this uh, lineup is totally healthy, and yeah. you have some protection behind him with guys getting on base, his RBI total is going to go up. And I also think that the mentality of Kyle Tucker is really going to push him into that MVP talk overall. Let alone for mm-hmm. the Astros. Yeah, I, for every reason you just mentioned. I'm in a hundred percent agreement. I think I think this is Kyle Tucker's year, mm-hmm. um, and and I hope I hope really truly that the Astros are healthy throughout this season, and everything too, because if they are, and you've got Abreu and Alvarez and Tucker and Bregman, 
all these guys and, and Pena and eventually Jose Altuve. It's just going to be fair. I mean, I don't know what teams are going to do <laughs> against that lineup. I really don't. Last one. Who's your Cy Young for the Astros? Cy Young, man, that's a tough one. I, Christian mm-hmm. Javier, if he's getting close to 200 strikeouts, I got to put that guy in that category. So uh, why not uh, have all the focus on Framber Valdez and the, yeah. the reinsert, you know, Lance McCullers reinserting himself in that rotation. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to go, damn, this Christian Javier guy's better than we thought he was. And he ends up being that candidate. Yeah, I agree with you. That was my pick too. I think do we just need to see innings out of Javier. If we get, yeah. if he gets up to, uh, you know, 150 160 innings you know uh then he's going to be he's his numbers are going to be incredible yeah that's what it's what it's going to take he just needs innings all right they pick the win the win total this year for the astros in vegas is the over under is 95 and a half that picks makes them that gives them the second highest win total in baseball behind the dodgers who are at 96 and a half um puts them ahead of the yankees ahead of the mets um, and others have the Padres, uh, and the Braves. Um, so I'm taking the over personally. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win a hundred again, but, uh, what are your thoughts, Palmer? I'm going to take the over two. I think that, you know, they're going to lose a series against all the American league West teams. Granted that you're going to run into the St. Louis mm-hmm. Cardinals or, you know, the San Diego Padres, you're going to make right. up some of those games against, the Mariners and the Angels and and maybe even the Rangers, if you consider them a contender, uh, right. and play some other teams. So I think this balanced schedule kind of lends itself to the opportunity where the Astros can kind of come in, uh, splash the zone a little bit, and get these guys and beat some of them. So I, I you know, I think they're going to be more of the ninety-seven to hundred team, uh, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Uh, I don't believe the Dodgers are going to be. I think the Dodgers are going to be. A, I agree. A little bit of a letdown this season. I have. I feel like the Padres are going to be the team to beat in the uh, National League West, but uh, I'm taking ninety-seven to to hundred wins for the Astros. My prediction is going. It will go in my season preview in the Houston Press tomorrow. Is hundred wins. And Astros make it to the World Series and lose to the Padres. That is my prediction. I hope I am wrong about that one. Um, But uh, Padres are my team in the NL. I just, I think they've just got so much firepower. Um, They were so close last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, No disrespect to Atlanta or or St. Louis or any of the other teams, or the, although I don't know about the Mets. I'm, I'm, I'll believe those like combine a huge team with a bunch of payroll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll believe that. I'll believe that when I see it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think the Astros are going to be just exceptionally good again this year. Mm-hmm. I think they're still the class of baseball. I've got my Gold Rush hat on. Yeah, you do. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready to. I'm ready to roll. I, I think it's going to be a really good season. I would tell fans. My caution to fans would be: don't be surprised if they don't get out to a huge start. Yeah. Don't be surprised if they get behind a little bit. Don't be surprised if you see some struggles early in the season. I think it's possible. The Astros don't usually start well anyway. They mm-hmm. traditionally have not been a good starting team, and you're missing some of your best players. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to me. No, it's going to be I think like they're a gonna, catapult. They're just going to gently work their way, just pulling it back, pulling it back, yeah. pulling it back, and kind of let lulling everybody to sleep. And then once they get McCullers back, they get Altuve mm-hmm. back, Brantley back all of these guys that they are waiting for. And then all of a sudden they're just going to let that thing go and just catapult themselves back into the American league West lead. Oh, 
It's going to, yeah, I feel like there's just going to be a slingshot moment. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's just going to, all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, right. The Astros, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be the, that, oh shit moment. Like yeah, that. <laughs> it's definitely going to be an oh shit moment. No doubt. All right. Thanks. Thanks everybody for joining us today. Blummer, any final thoughts for opening day? Your, your first, your first gig will be Friday. Dude. Chomping so are you re- bit. Are you ready? Are you yeah. ready, uh, man? I am going to the grand opening of Home Run Dugout out in Katy tonight. Oh, and really? I'm going to be hitting tanks, virtual <laughs> tanks, if not wiffable tanks at this thing. So I'm fired up about that. And then that knowing awesome. that we have all, I get to go to Radio Row for op- for the final four uh, tomorrow. Are you really? Oh yeah, dude. I'm I'm all in. They called and I'm like, how quickly can I get there? So <laughs> so. So I'm, I'm on the final four radio road train, going to do that all morning. And then I'm going to awesome. go straight, straight to the ballpark. I'm going to host my radio show from three to four. And then I'm going to be at street fest, pumping this crowd up, getting ready for opening day. And then I'm going to have my camera ready for Wahlberg when he takes his shirt oh. off, wings it around his head and <laughs> says, play ball. I'm ready. I cannot, I cannot wait for that moment. I cannot. <laughs> that's, that's a moment that I, I mean, I yeah, Martin Doesn't he Wahlberg. have to? I if he if doesn't I look like that, I'd be doing that in the booth. If he doesn't, it's <laughs> it's it's going to be just disappointing. That <laughs> 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 is going to be so disappointing. I I am yeah, Blummer. I'm with you. It's going to be a huge, crazy, busy weekend for me too. I'm going to be at the game tomorrow, starting yeah, baseball fan and fest. Final Four. I know. I'm going to be doing fan fest. And then uh, the the beginning of the Astros game, the opening. I got to write it. Then I'm coming back. Then all Friday, all Saturday, and uh, Monday night will be Final Four hell. Um, it's going to be nuts. I'm going to need many naps. I already <laughs> told my. It's like I, I told my wife. I said, "Here are the times when I'm available this weekend." <laughs> and it's like you know Friday between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. Like it's like you know that's what you get. So uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm so psyched about opening day. Um, we've been waiting a long time. You know, we were counting it down for a long time, yeah. but it's finally here. So everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Blummer and I have a busy weekend ahead, so we will see you next week mm-hmm. in this very place. A uh, huge thanks to everybody for watching and listening all over the world. You guys have been great as always. Be sure to hit sportspodcastgroup.com to vote for us as the best baseball podcast, because yeah. why wouldn't you? Uh, we're super thankful for all of you guys for joining us. Keep it coming. It's finally here. Opening day. So kids, strap it in. It's going to be a long season. As always, go Astros. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.